0: We are being very careful and thoughtful about what we pitch for and how we pitch, as I think all good agencies should be.
1: Welcome to Managing Marketing, a podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Uh, my name is David Angel, and today I'm joined by Simone Gupta, Laura Aldington, and John Austin, who are collectively known now as Supermassive. Um, my first ever group podcast. I'm a bit nervous, actually. <laughs> there are three bank brains against one, and all of yours are individually better than mine anyway. So <laughs> it's not, not, not
0: looking good It's not true. Started. It's, it's not for having no, us. I don't know about that. Welcome, and, and thanks very much for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having us.
1: So we're sitting here in in um, a lovely part of Sydney in a, in a great sort of converted space that you've, you've started your your journey on and you know, you're, what, seven or eight weeks old now. I'd, I'd love to just start with your story, right? I'm always interested, obviously I've worked with um, two of you, I've worked with, with Laura and with, with John directly in the past, but I'm really interested in stories about how new businesses were born and, you know, if it's the cliche, that we sat in a pub one night and it's the back of a, you know, back of a beer mat, then that's fine. But talk, talk to me, what's the creation story here?
2: Yeah, I'll take that John, one. Come you <laughs> can take it. See,
1: this is the three people.
2: Who can yeah. you at? Um So, David, I, I'm not sure how much of you, you, of it that you're aware of, but um, we have worked together in a couple of different iterations over the last sort of 13 years. John and I actually first met at DDB when mm-hmm. I was on the board at DDB running Mango, and Laura and John worked together in Host and then in Host of Us, And then we all worked together most recently in the Havas village. And whilst we were working in in our last roles, me running PR, social and entertainment businesses, and Laura running the sort of traditional advertising and the CX business, retail business, and then John overseeing the creative output across a lot of those businesses. And one of the things that we found was when we brought our... Unique skill set together, we ended up doing some of our most interesting and effective work. And I think, just quite simply, we enjoyed working together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that goes a long way. And um, and so so, whilst that was happening, and um, also what has been happening probably for the last fifteen years is that traditional advertising has is becoming less and less engaging and effect effective mm-hmm. essentially. Um, one of the studies that we often cite when we're talking about this is the World Advertising Research Center's when they they did a sort of an analysis of the top 100 campaigns i think it might have been last year or the year before and and found that the most effective advertising out there doesn't look like advertising and um, so we know that that our industry and how consumers are Taken on board messaging is changing. Um, and But what we also know as well is that people love being on these small screens yeah. and tablets and they love, le- you know, looking at the things that they enjoy. So whether it's music, sport, entertainment, connection, friendship, social platforms, we know that there is plenty of time that our customers and consumers are spending and yet, you know, we we can see that some of the more interruptive methods of advertising are not being as effective. Um, and so, you know, what the conversation between us um, when it's like, if we if we know that advertising is becoming less and less effective, not to say that there's not a really strong place for paid advertising, but we know that people really consume a lot of entertainment. How do we bring our unique skill set together? You know, Laura's, you know, has grown up in some really... Uh, you know, robust, um, strategic environments. And um, John's uh, just a fantastic understanding of non-traditional creativity in my own background. How do we bring those together mm-hmm. to really sort of set a benchmark in non-traditional advertising and earned ideas but that's grounded in really robust strategy? Um, and you know, what we what what the industry often serves is. PR businesses, none that I've ever worked in, of course, but (laughs) PR businesses that that often have some great ideas that can be, you know, sticky and, um, and can catch the attention of media but maybe not be grounded in robust strategy, usually because the investment in strategy just usually hasn't traditionally sat in sort of consumer PR businesses. And that traditional... Um, creative agencies are going, in some cases, more and more traditional mm-hmm. um, with ideas that don't work in hand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, Laura always laughs when she says, how many times has a creative come to you and asked you to PR an ad? Like, a lot of times, right? <laughs> yes. A lot of times. Not this one, but a lot of times. She so, was 20 pages. the
3: Yes. <laughs> um,
2: and, and so, look, so we'd sort of, with all of that together, the idea for supermassive... Was born, and then also part of that process was um, sort of a couple of months ago, as the idea was forming of what this business could be, bringing this particular unique skill set together. We went and talked to a very small handful of CMOs Mm -hmm. and senior marketers, and talked to them about the challenges they were facing and where an offering like this might sit. And we got overwhelmingly positive feedback of, yes, we feel like this is needed, this kind of thinking is needed, but also just um, also some of the problems that need to be solved for them by a more senior um, lineup, which sometimes they're not getting from their agency because the people that are in the business are a bit more junior in the senior lineup, they're not getting a fair time with the senior lineup. So, so that's sort of what all went in the mix. Mm. Um, and then John was, and Laura were listening to a Muse song, and the name was born. I was uh, you just, yeah. just going to say, where, where <laughs> did you get it
3: absolutely, from? yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. We were cranking the Muse song. You know, we talk a lot about green lights, and I think what's so cool for the creative flair is that the day after we had we had settled on the name. NASA revealed this news story that they discovered a new supermassive black hole, which felt like another you know,
1: green light. Yeah, fantastic. serendipity, right? <laughs> I, I love what you were saying just then, Sim, um, about um, owned and earned and strategy, mm. because that's one of the biggest... I find that constantly in agencies, this misinterpretation of what has become known as posed, you know, paid, owned and shared. Yeah. And people say we're going to do a paid per shit strategy. And just, no, no, that's not the strategy. <laughs> Those are the, that's, a, that's the you know that, that's the, the way the, the way the strategy is played out. Yep. Um, so I think the underlying strategy is often is often missing because mm. sort of defaulting to the, the cleverest channel and it doesn't yep. have that grounding. I don't, Laura, what do you think? I mean, that's just a strategic lead here. I mean, does that
0: resonate with you? Yeah, absolutely it does. I think that non-traditional creativity needs a bit of a rebrand, actually, because I think that when people think of non-traditional creativity, they think of it as an indulgence or something that's sort of tacked on that's almost like a stunt or a short-lived initiative, rather than something that can deliver really incredible and disproportionate results for brands. And I think the difference between the two is actually, does this piece of work or this idea transcend the paid media that it's put in and offer consumers more than just a traditional advertising campaign but most importantly is it aligned to some strategic business objectives yeah. that we have in an organization and how is it helping us to deliver those and I think that's to Sim's point that's where bringing together a more traditional background with an earned background is where we can actually get those two things to yeah. coalesce together.
1: I think a lot, I mean, a lot of what we're talking about brings me to the next thing I want to talk about. I, I think a lot of what we're talking about, and John, I guess I'm looking at you a bit here. Sure. Some of these sort of ways of doing things that have become the norm aren't necessarily grounded in the right way. Put pressure on creativity. Mm-hmm. Do me something clever. Mm-hmm. Do me something Do me something non no, where, where's Now, where's the grounding? And I think there is a lot of pressure on creativity, you know, in this market particularly. And your website... You've kind of just said it, really, an independent creative studio revision to set a new benchmark and end in non-traditional creativity. How hard do you mm-hmm. think
3: the benchmark is? Look, I think that, that at its very best, I think that the creative benchmark in Australia is is awesome. I think it's audacious and it's brilliant and we've just seen that it's Grand Prix winning. But, but yeah. I think that that also kind of lets us off the hook a little too easily, right? Because I think that you can't really gauge the creative output of a, of a nation or a region by its 1%. So, so the question is, what is the standard of creativity in Australia? And that's a different answer, because I think that by and large, just like most other regions, almost every other region, it ain't great. Um, I think that's because we are viewing creativity through an aperture that is quite narrow. It's quite thin. You know, the way that we apply our creativity, and, and I think more specifically, the types of ideas, the shape of ideas that we are outputting as a benchmark really aren't that creative. You know, I think we often say at Supermassive to our clients, um, for an industry that talks a really good game about understanding their audience and understanding audience insights, we're ignoring some pretty major signals that they're sending our way pretty loud and clear. And, and we can't claim ignorance on it. We can't. We all know the stats. We all have heard that 92% of people think that ads are more interrupted than ever. What is it? 81% of people hit skip, um, hit the skip on 82% of people aged 18 to 24 have some method of blocking out ads. So we know all these stats. We know that for the first time ever, the majority of people are no longer watching linear TV. And yet we still spend months debating and going back and forth the the smallest details on these driest toast, fifteen second retail TVCs, and then to Sim's point, we convince ourselves that shareability is putting that TVC on social. You know, we think that banner ads and performance media alone are going to sway audiences who who couldn't give a shit about about our brands. You know, I think that what really annoys me is that we still cram as much. Um, information and messaging and branding and DBAs into the first unskippable few seconds of a pre-roll, and then we hope that people not only will remember us, but will feel some sort of affinity for us before they hit that mash button. I think one for me is that you know I'm still seeing spec portfolios from creators who are trying to break into the industry, which should be this no-holds-barred celebration of, of non-traditional creativity and fresh thinking, but really... What I'm seeing in them are, I think, you know, ads in the most traditional and arguably increasingly obsolete places because that's what they have been taught our industry values the most. And that's the problem. I think the truth is, some, some mentioned it before, our audience has massively changed in terms of how they consume comms, how they engage with brands. But the truth is our industry is very reluctant to change with them, willfully reluctant to change with them, and even, even weirder still, we expect our creative to be effective when talking to them. So when we talk about what are the things that are getting in the way of creativity these days, I think that it's us. I think it's the industry. I think that we have steadily trained ourselves and our clients and our partners to be our own worst enemy. And as a result, creatively speaking, I think that we are at times shouting into the void while punching ourselves in the face and patting ourselves on the back (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that's a great answer, answer. <laughs> and, and it's, it sounds very pessimistic but I also look at the I'm an optimist at heart and so I look at the flip side of that and I go actually that's really exciting because when you think about what is enabling creativity in this region and around the world it's the passion and it's the ferocity in which audience are audiences are engaging in the stuff that they love in culture and entertainment and there is quite literally new worlds of gaming and and movies and music and content and purpose and fashion and fandom all waiting out there all desperate to disproportionately engage if you are willing to respect that ferocity and that passion and play by their rules so you know i think that's why we are really committed to um leaning into entertainment over interruption why we want to make people want stuff by making stuff people want you know why we are determined to create things that draw people in on their terms rather than just pushing shit out into the world unwelcome into people's lives.
2: Just to build on what John was saying as well, John and I were involved last year in DNAD Shift. Are you familiar with that mm-hmm. program? Yes. Yeah. And we were just blown away by the quality of, the, you know, the, the graduates are, um, for listeners that don't know, but the graduates are people that have not been through university. So they've got no real formal training. Mm. And then it's sort of like a three-month boot camp kind of thing, isn't it? Which was sponsored last year by Google and other mm. The work was
3: incredible. It was, it was modern. It was it fresh. Was, it, was, it, was, it
2: was unreal. Yeah. And the diversity of the people. Like, do you know, like, just the diversity of the group that 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 particular cohort was it and and so it was reflected just in how they'd approach these briefs that they're given, and 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 that I think is really interesting that that generation are coming up into the industry and that we, you know, sort of start to break down some of the agency models so we're not just teaching them the old rules, Mm
3: -hmm. absolutely, totally. Yeah, it's about it's about. Embracing new ways of working with incredible new creators and creators, rather than forcing them to adapt to what are increasingly ineffective ways of working. Yeah, yeah. Trinity P three. As soon as you said
2: like, the, I think
3: it's
1: awesome, and I I'm immediately yeah, long tail, and then you said uh, the one percent is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and so that's why I want, you know, it's my interest in enablers in because you know what is making that one percent different. 99% or you know, the standard being lower, there was a multi-billion dollar industry behind and some very influential voices behind putting ads where they go at the moment and, and advertising in pre-rolls and doing all the things that have been tradition is driven by, there's a huge financial inhibitor, right? It's in people's interest to keep that, that particularly personalised digital television, everything else going, right? So there's a huge financial sort of inhibitor. And I think it, based on what I've seen in my career and particularly as a consultant, and that there's another huge inhibitor and that is fear. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm not sure that the agency... I mean, it's interesting you say, you know, the agencies are teaching. I'm not sure that the agencies, and I'm not talking about media agencies here, actually, whether there is much more of a financial thing, but on the creative agency side, I don't think necessarily they are people being taught by habits. I think... Marketers are incredibly scared mm-hmm. to change because they have procurement people on their back. They have they have chief execs on their back mm-hmm. who have very very set ideas and old ideas about what works. Mm-hmm. They've been measuring it in a certain way, mm-hmm. and they're scared to change that. Mm-hmm. They're scared to fail. They're scared mm-hmm. to all of that stuff. Um, I think that they are real inhibitors. So is the inverse of that one percent where you know where you're finding your clients and they're enabling you. Yeah. It's, is it bravery? Is it, is it uh, new model
3: organisations as well as new model agencies? It's really interesting. It's really, I, think that, I think that it is a combination of things, isn't it? I think that it's really interesting that you say fear. I think that a lot of people have become disincentivised to stick their head above the above really? the parapet. you know? I think that success has become not obviously failing or success has become um, sliding under the radar rather than success is making an impact. And so therefore people go that were are successful because we kicked the can down the road and we didn't fuck up. And, and, and I mean, that, that is a metric of success, but I think that it also doesn't breed audaciousness. It doesn't breed new ways of thinking. I think that it breeds um, rote thinking and patterns. And what blows my mind is that in the face of overwhelming evidence that, that we are talking to fewer people, we are making less impact, it seems easier and safer to do nothing rather than to move to reflect yes. a shifting audience. Keep the
1: cam down the road, is exactly right. That's, you, you see that so many times, so many times. You know, it's like, We're going to do it in six months. We're and to be fair to CMOs, they're drowning. I mean, they're absolutely drowning in, in short-termism, in yeah. outdated
3: notions, in data pressure, in all sorts of other things. No, of course, I mean, it's easy to... Point the finger at marketers and at clients, but I think that, you know we have we have carried this conversation on with them. You know, I think that I read it on LinkedIn recently. It was a great post, and someone said, "No client has ever bought an idea that wasn't put in front of them by an agency," which is true. We are putting this stuff in front of them. Anything, complaining when they buy it. I think that that it's a it's a you know we are on this path of mutual destruction. Yes. Look, I, I mean, <laughs> when I say fear,
1: that's actually right, you know, when I talk about fear. Of course, fear of missing right? yeah. and and lack of bravery,
0: and, and also line of least resistance. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's interesting the concept of bravery, and we talk yeah. about it a bit because I think, and I think part of our offer is is it shouldn't feel brave or risky to do great work that talks to the audience that it is intended for, and if it is ro- if it is grounded in strategy and a ro- sort of robust point of view, it should feel like the right thing to do, not the risky thing to do, and actually it's a braver path to do something that is going to be largely ignored yeah. by your audience because, I mean, that that really is a uh, uh, path to destruction. So, yeah. you know, I think it's I think we, we sometimes don't make it easy for ourselves when we imply that the kind of work that we want to do is incredibly risky because I'm not sure that it always is. I think risky is a very different
1: thing. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think the bravery sits in making the change. Yeah. The bravery is not in doing something that is perceived... Oh, yes. Right, risky. Yeah. The, yeah. Bravery is, the bravery is backing something mm-hmm. where others might perceive it as being risky, but where you know you've got this, you've got the A or partners with the strategic background, and that this idea has been thought through, not yeah. just plastered oh. on top of a totally of mm-hmm. a paper thing. Sort of, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm losing my analogy, but yeah. I mean, I, I, totally, I totally agree. I don't think <coughs> doing something risky. Just for the sake of doing something yeah, risky, exactly. and just irresponsible, yeah, yeah, exactly. you know, let's do a media first. And that's not a strategy. Yeah, no, that's just that's just that's just. And that's where I stand mean, I mean, up and trying to, trying to sort of be be, be And consumers yeah. don't
0: reward you for that for being the first person yeah. to do something in a channel. That's something that we do for our own gratification. That's so. right.
1: That's exactly so. Uh, I, I it's threading that needle is fine line, but absolutely I, yeah. the, the agencies who put that stuff. Either because they just don't want to be told no, and they, they just need to get it done with the least, least amount of hours. I and mean, I've got that's a whole other conversation about how you just get paid for input on that. What's the value of the output? Not mm-hmm. what's the cost of the input. You know and that that will, that engenders agency to be effective and not and not yeah. hours. out. Anyway.
3: Even from the credit perspective, though, something that we've spoken about. We as an industry love risk-taking or fresh thinking, but only if it works, only if it's seen as being successful. If you dare try something new and it doesn't pan out exactly as you'd hoped, you get torn apart, you get torn down by other creatives, you get slagged off. And it is certainly not instilling a sense of confidence in the next wave of creative creators coming Mm. up, seeing these horrible comments, seeing um, um, risk or, or fresh thinking be absolutely reviled by their industry, which is supposed to be supporting them. So I think that we're only doing ourselves a disservice as well by not um, supporting all forms of, of fresh thinking. Mm. Uh, agreed.
1: And, uh, and, you know, you're right. You're all right about not pointing fingers. You know, you, you, we are sort of locked in a bit of a dance mm. on it. Yeah. And, uh, um, it takes fresh thinking and fresh agencies and fresh, you know, mm. and people being brought together with unique skill sets that that, that can help change that um, mm. as well as, as the, I mean, I love what you said about the d and thing. I mean, no, I don't think anyone would doubt that talent exists, right? Creativity exists in spades. It's just mm. getting over the line and, into mm. it and breathing life into it. Um, when all the evidence is there, right, Whether mm. there are financial and fear-based and whatever you want to call it, pressures yeah. against it, that's the biggest thing, and any agency or client who can help enable that mm. is... I think doing the industry service. Mm, awesome. I think so. Yeah, it got a bit dark, there, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Trinity P three. I've never been brave enough to put my own name above an agency, and I've worked on lots of agencies. Never been brave enough to do Um Did you have inspirations? Did you have anyone? Did you have a mentor, inspiration, or, or something that,
0: that yeah, really guided you? Yeah, a couple of things. I think well, we've been we've all been really lucky to work in. All sorts of different agencies over our careers, different shapes and sizes. But I think the ones that bubbled to the surface and that we have particularly stood out to us in creating this proposition are the ones that had a point of view on the industry and their place in it. So I grew up at host, you know, for many years, which as you know launched with a completely unique model that had collaboration at the heart of it, long before collaboration was the kind of buzzword of the industry. And that's where John and I met and you know, I worked alongside One Green Bean when that was launching, which Sim then went on to run, which I think is fair to say at its launch we redefined PR in this yeah. market. I worked at Anomaly in New York, which um, famously, it does exactly what you just mentioned around ch- changing its pricing model away from head hours and into output-based pricing, amongst many other things that it, that um, it does differently. And there is no doubt it would be doing those businesses a disservice to not acknowledge that they have been part of our inspiration and there's a yeah. piece of them in the DNA of, Super massive through us and our experiences in working at them and I think the other thing is there's just such a thriving scene in this country of some of the best agencies not just in Australia or the region but actually in the world born and bred in this market and it's worth saying they have offered us so much wise counsel and advice and support and you know I'm thinking particularly about Lindsay at Special and Chris at Howardson & Co that have been so generous in helping us and answering some of our questions and giving us the, the benefit of their learning. And we've been really blown away by the goodwill that we've been showing in launching this business into the industry. It's been one of the great delights for us over yeah. the last couple of months.
1: I love that. I, I think mm-hmm. it shows genuine... Like what were we just talking about? We were talking about different ageing, new model ways mm-hmm. of thinking, making a difference to creativity mm-hmm. for good and, and removing some of the barriers and inhibitions. What says that more than you know? New, new, model agencies helping each other out and,
0: you know, mm-hmm. and trying to trying to build that. In the mix. Mm, definitely, I and mean, I think a rising tide floats all boats. Mm-hmm. And I think we're we're really grateful to some of the agencies that have gone before us in charting a path where indie agencies have a place, you know, in this market, and they've brought credibility to the the scene. And yeah, mm-hmm. um, so we admire them greatly. Uh, so, yeah, I think we've had inspiration in, in the sort of long tail of our careers, working for various inspiring founders in indie businesses, but also some of the people that are thriving today yeah. are being you know, very helpful. Well, you did say the word
1: a few times there, uh, indies. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we've, we've analysis, and you know, we've talked about human labels this. And I do want to ask a little bit about... and I'm trying to talk a bit about doing air quotes, indies versus networks. I mean, uh, there is a disclaimer here. You know, personally, I do get quite tired of the indies versus networks topic. As you know, someone who, who often places agencies to run on pictures and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I see the reverse, I get to me saying, no, we, we, we want indies, not creators, or uh, sorry, indies, not um, networks, or networks, not indies. Um, I think it's much more nuanced than that. I think mm-hmm. it's much more nuanced than, than the sort of the David versus Goliath thing. Mm-hmm. But am I just jaded? Am I wrong in that? Is indies versus networks still a valid lens through which we the industry?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, We've all worked previously in Indies with Inspiring Founders. We are only in two-month-old Indie. And we've also all had rewarding, sometimes challenging, sometimes joyful careers in networks. I personally have worked in three of the networks, Mm. Um, most recently Hapus Group. Um, And also, um, I was coming out of an umbrella debate about it at 360 and bumped into a client who had sat in on it just for fun to see what everybody was saying and he said I just buy the people Yeah. he said I buy the people and then and where they're coming from he worked for an Australian brand so he was in the looking position to not have to be part of a global arrangement but then the other bit is, you know, when I, I mentioned earlier that we went and talked to some clients as we were in really setting up and, and and we talked to our own clients in all of the last, yeah. you know, previous jobs. And um, one very senior CMO did say to us, she said, what I am seeing, the difference in the room that I'm seeing, and you may see it in your role because you're involved in a lot of pictures. She said, what I'm seeing, just the difference in the room is, she said, "the an indie business comes in, usually with the founder's, and she they've just got more energy and focus on the business problem. Yeah. And um, and interestingly, she's also an ex-network, but she said, and what I'm seeing with the network businesses, they're coming in, you can feel that they're a bit tired from some of those additional pressures that they're under. Um, and <coughs> so I think that, that was, I mean, that was like a focus group of one. Um, but I know that just from our personal experience in the last couple of months, we've we've just got a lot of time back to actually focus on the the clients that we're talking to. Obviously, we just had the P one which has already been announced. And
3: yeah, congrats on that. on that, by the way. Thank Obviously you. Yeah, it yeah, like like it's specimen.
2: been it's right. been fantastic, and and Great just brilliant client team, brilliant yeah. client team as well. That you know that that share ambition and 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 have been very supportive of bringing of bringing a brand new business on board as their agency. But, um, but yeah, but what we found is that, you know, we've got more time to spend on the actual problem. We were finding in our role, we were just getting less and less time mm-hmm. to spend on the challenges that clients are facing, which are many and varied. Um, and, and even though we're, like, the most experienced people... You know, I don't just mean us three. I mean, there's like the senior bench in the businesses um, are being pulled in different directions. Now, that's not to say that's not going to happen in a, in a large indie. You know, there's, there's, there's and always... It and it does happen, yeah. And, you know with, with, you know, with growth and more people come... People, people, challenges. So, but um, we're getting feedback from the clients that we've already converted that are on board and for ones that we're talking to, you know, that are sort of in our warm pool of clients, is that they are feeling the difference of having just some experienced thinkers fully focused on their business. And um, now we know that you know we're not naive, that that's something that, that we have got to learn how to scale. And um, but despite the name, we're not going, we don't want to have, have 200 people in this business in like yeah. eight, eight, eight years, two years' time. That isn't our ambition. We do want to. Keep, we do want to use this experience to help clients through all of these challenges that they're facing, and and to you know work in categories like travel, where we've got really deep understanding because we've got long history in that category, and you know just help clients navigate their shrinking teams that they've got, the complex stakeholders that they have. Like that's where we want to be of help. We're not just producing comms. We're helping them in their role, navigate the complex environment that, that they're in. And, and, and we're getting... It's working. In, in in this short two-month period, us working in this way, we're getting that feedback reflected. So the question was, is it Indies versus networks? But there is, there's a lot of great people, great talent and good work coming out of networks mm-hmm. in this country. And there's an absolute place for that. You know, with, with certain clients of a certain scale, for example... Um, but yeah, so I don't think it's a one versus the other um, in no, that I, case. No, I
1: can't I kind of agree. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I'm interested in what you said about the the CMO and just being run by by the people. Yeah. Um, because honestly, I've, I've run I've run God, it's into the three figures, and I've run so many i mm-hmm. and I've seen so many agencies, and. Um, once you navigate as a pitch consultant if you're doing your job, once you navigate the client past some of the worries that they have which aren't actually relevant with all due respect yeah. And sometimes that is around. Oh my god, they've only got one creator team. Why haven't they got three creative teams that mm-hmm. can just come, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah.
2: And
1: you can once you navigate past that, it does absolutely become about the of the people. And the one thing I've seen if I had, you know, if I had to say something in these verses and there's a talent crisis, right? But smaller independent agencies are so well placed to attract the more experienced. Mm-hmm. You know, the more junior level, it's all about salary gouging and stuff like that. And, and relative, and with all due respect to them, because we've all been there, right? Relatively inexperienced people just taking a big salary jump, going to job in a pretty full-that stuff. The the independence, smaller independents are able to to attract really smart, experienced people, yeah. and then the tenure is way well on that, yeah. And that contribute, and aside from all of the other stuff about this is your personal money and t- yeah. your business, and that also drives energy. And I see I see that time and time again in the news. Yeah. You just you just sense that 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 you know we are really committed to this, yeah, yeah. as opposed to we're paying lip service to a big name, yeah. Um, so I think that's you know I'm. The, the buying people—it it's, it's, sounds a horrible phrase actually. I'm buying people, but it's true. Yeah, it, it is
2: the biggest single differentiating factor. Look, and I—I I, I don't want to blow around trumpet, but I will. One of the things that I know that this the three people here have been really good at for our case, is building really good quality teams. We've Delicious. all just yeah. yeah, we've we've all built loyal teams. We've all built highly talented teams. So. We know that that's going to stay with us. you know've we've got We've got literally black books, of three black books of people that you know we're, we already know some people are happy to take the risk and come in um, in a startup so and that's from you know, use of practice and who we are as people, but also you just use a practice of working out right that the absolute magic of how do we build this team for this particular client and who do we put on it and things like that. So I think that that's very much going to
0: go in our favour. that all of the things that we could lie awake at night worrying about, yeah. being able to find the right people and create a great culture is just not entering on that list yeah. for us. Um, and we've had a huge amount of interest from talent, actually. So I think you're right, the appetite of talent to, to yeah. work in a different environment and do, you know be part of something as it's growing and developing is huge. And I think back in my own career, and actually I joined Host, I was probably a group account director, but... Came in when it was a relatively young agency, and I stayed with it until a few months ago. Exactly. So, you know, I think that's a classic story of someone yeah. finding their home in an indie and developing a career there.
1: So, um, so that's all really positive, isn't it? You know, I just I don't want the to come get too dark. Trinity P3. I do want to ask about pitching. Yep. Because clearly, That is quite challenging for you because it's like your your capacity can only be so great and yet you want to grow your business yet you need to scale it the right way and and, and which are the right clients and all that stuff. And pitches are hard and invasive and everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, But how healthy do you think the current dynamic is? I mean, there are good pitches and bad, but broadly speaking, between agency and marketing and pitching world, what do you see as either... And worrying or positive trends and how how are you going to approach pitching as a, as a, as a, a supermassive massive
0: i mean i think we acknowledge that pitching is a part of the industry and we'd be naive to think that we're going we, that we won't need to or indeed want to be part of competitive pitch processes because we absolutely will but we are being very careful and thoughtful about what we pitch for and how we pitch as i think all good agencies should be i think to answer a question about the macro perspective i think there's It's pretty clear that the current industry model of pitching by and large is is pretty unsustainable. Um, It devalues our most valuable IP because we give it away. uh, And it exhausts teams. As you said, it's a high volume of unpaid work. It puts pressure on margins. That stops agencies being able to tackle some of the endemic issues around training and development and diversity and all the things that matter. And I think worst of all of that, it inhibits their ability to spend their time and energy on their existing clients who are the people that really deserve the best of their attention and time. But we've been really pleasantly surprised um, to, to discover, I think, a new appreciation of that amongst a lot of clients. And there, there mm-hmm. seems to be an openness to perhaps trying an agency on a brief, which I think is a much more accurate measure mm-hmm. of what, how that partnership would play out anyway. Sort of, um, And I think that's – or at least ensuring that the ask in a pitch is fair and commensurate with the size of the prize at the end of it. Um, and so I, we have – seeing clients much more willing to judge agencies on their capabilities and case studies and chemistries or or at least Mm -hmm. asking questions that aren't a full-scale pitch as you sort of Mm -hmm. describe it but I think the other thing that's proven to be quite useful for us is that we've got quite a clear start point as a business in terms of what we're about and I think if I remember it was you actually that taught me (laughs) when we worked together that the best place to be on a list is either right at the top or not on it at all rather than be an agency six. that is languishing in the middle. and I Number think one and number six. Number one and number three. six, exactly. And I think what we offer is very, very right for the right clients and probably not that interesting to the wrong clients. Mm-hmm. And for us, that's a far better place to be than half right for everyone and therefore not quite right for anyone. And so I think that having a differentiated point of view on who we are, what we stand for, is helping us not being that many competitive pitches actually and and helping us have conversations where clients are willing to give us a you know a brief or continue a conversation with with us on those terms but look pitches pitches are pitches and sometimes they're great and we've certainly got no um it would be it would be early days to say we're never going to pitch for business because that would be yeah yes a bit naive
1: Pitches can be another word that runs with pitches and some should be. But, uh, anyway, <laughs> it's just but not, personal, always. not always, not always. And that's um, how pitch can sound. <coughs> um, look, I, I mean, like I said before, I, I haven't um, ever started an anything but if I had to put myself in your shoes,
0: mm.
1: possibly the single biggest joy I would have right now is the freedom of being able to say no. well, Yes, well, and we have found, God knows, yeah. I mean, we have, uh, you know, I found some the, some of the it's at some times, to my cost in my career in networks, when I have pushed back and said no, and we're not doing this, we're not doing this pitch, it's ridiculous. It didn't help me, it didn't help my career, it didn't help mm. my uh, relationship with,
0: with, the, with the parent. Yeah. Um, you have that freedom now. That must feel amazing. We do have that freedom, and we have exercised it already. There's been a couple of opportunities that just haven't felt right, and we've decided not to pursue them. And that is as much about not wasting clients' time as it is about, yeah, you know, our own position on it. I think if we, we know quite quickly if we're the right,
2: yeah, agency,
0: and if we're not, that's fine. And we, so we don't we don't decline pitches with an arrogance or a no anything like that I think we just look at our opportunities and as you said we've only got so much energy to put into opportunities and we have to make sure that we're putting ourselves forward for the ones that we think we're going to do our best work in and um, and so that's really the filter that we're using to assess opportunities. One
1: of the most common things agencies say to me on a pitch at the early stages is they feel that they can't say no to me either because then I want to put them on another pitch and like do. there's strength and integrity. I, mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I would much rather see an agency saying no and not waste anyone's time including their own than than come along half baked well, Yeah. What's the point? What yeah. is the point of that? Oh
2: yeah. You're wasting a
1: valuable place for another agency can take that and you might be
0: really hungry for it. And perfect for it as well. I'm I'm perfect perfect for it. It. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, and I think
1: and again, I'm going back to University Networks, but they you do have, and I can name my wife, but I can name another couple of independents who are brilliant for that. They have their position, they yeah. have their proposition and they stick to it. And if that means that someone doesn't like them over here, that's okay because someone's going to like them over here. Yeah, they, can, yeah, yeah. they have the autonomy of choice, which mm. I think is a really powerful thing. And if you think about it, that flows through to the pitch. When you talked earlier on about um, people seeing energy in the room from an independent or a small independent in a pitch scenario. Yeah there's a chance it's up well because they actually genuinely want to be in the damn room in the first place as opposed to being forced to do it by, I mean yeah. I'm kind of generalising to make yeah. a point but yeah. you know, there is a high likelihood. the is there because he wants to be yeah. as opposed to because
2: it has yeah. to be. Yeah. Because they've gone through their criteria of who do we say yes who do we say no to and they've got yeah these are our yeses let's go for it um, yeah. rather than be like oh maybe. Oh, no we can't turn it down otherwise
1: there might be a, you know there might be a hole in there hole in the,
2: yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah 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 so yeah like, Yeah, it's been good. We've already, you know, we're already seeing who will be right, you know, and it's based on a few things the ambition, the chemistry, um, the, you know, the kind of brands we want to work on and And where our
0: experience is. And whether whether
2: whether we've got the right right experience as Mm -hmm. well. You know, that is something that has happened to me at times in the past in networks where. We're just smoke and mirrors and experiencing a certain category or in a certain discipline. And, um, and that puts pressure on. and, and got,
0: I think talking we... about liberation, actually the most liberating thing for us has been able to just be authentic yeah. about who we are and what we do and what we believe in and how we work. And to Sim's point, we are never pretending to be anything that we're not. when We're having yeah. conversations in the room because there's no, one, there's no pressure for us to, to do that. And as a result, we're just having better quality conversations with the right clients, and therefore our yeah. conversion is much higher yeah. because we're not making it up. Like, we really believe everything that we're saying, we mean it, and if we say we're going to do something, we'll do it. And there's a real integrity, to, mm. to use your language, around that that is a great place to be, mm. and, it's, and it's taking us out of the sort of race sometimes, that kind of messy pitching conversation into a completely different place, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's a basic human truth, isn't it? The more confident you get, um, the better the better quality you're, mm-hmm. you will be. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a one thing breeds the other. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I love, I, love, I love integrity in this industry. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's not a hobby. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, saying that to stuff or choosing your own part is, is absolutely um, part of that. John, we haven't heard from you in a bit. All right, let's do it.
3: I mean, you know, the creative genius is sitting there quietly in the corner. It's not, it's not like a creative genius. I'm, I am so, I'm so not a genius in this room. Mate. Well, I've
0: talked
3: you to are. us. i tell you what, uh, this
1: is good for you, because I, I do want to talk about future talent. I think, I um, mean, with all, of course, account leadership, I mean, every, every area needs talent sure. um, and future talent, but I, I do love thinking about creative talent. We've sort of talked about it before. Um, you know, for a young person coming into the workforce, yeah. Advertising, in quotes, for for various sort of cultural reasons, practical reasons, doesn't have the coolness it once did. But, but you know, as we all know, attracting new talent is, is vital, particularly creative talent. And Absolutely. Do you think, and are you already having an influence as a, as a, as smaller independent agencies um, to try and
3: revitalize that, make it more attractive? What can we do for people? Sure, coming in? mean right. That's a really good question. Um, what drew me into the industry years ago were I think the same two things that probably drew most of us. You know, firstly, I, I wanted to have fun and I wanted to work with fun, interesting people, and I had this reductive, like offensively cartoonish vision of like an accountancy firm. And I just didn't want that. Um, I've since learned that most accountants are like most fun, wildest people that you can relate. So apologies <laughs> to accountants for my horrible generalization, but I just I just it was like this rebellion against the kind of work that I didn't want to do, the yeah. you know, kind of industry I didn't want to be in. And the second thing was I just wanted to create stuff that would impact people in the same way that, that stuff like um, David Stapleton's trillion-dollar campaign or, or the Cadbury Gorilla uh, or Whopper Sacrifice really impacted me. That's really what drew me into the campaign. And I still think that while so many things have changed, you know, that is still those are two really compelling reasons for people to join the industry. And, and they do, they really do drive people. I think the talent is more eager than ever, actually, to work in places that feel fun and genuine and full of interesting people, you know, to to work, the opportunity to work with with brilliant people like Laura and Sim who have built careers on being um, authentic and genuine and having integrity. That's really appealing to people. And also, you know, they want to work in places that give them the chance to create stuff in the vein of the stuff that inspires them. But in that vicious cycle, you know, I think what's inspiring them less and less are the very traditional ads that we, Jeez. as industry, We're as a standard, are, exactly, are manifesting. So that is the stuff that they're actively trying to avoid. Now, I can't speak for other indies, but like Laura said, our inboxes are, are, are full of creatives and creatives from all around the world Wanting to work with us, wanting to partner with us, which is such a huge compliment. You know, I think that, or I hope that, that's because we've made fun and joy and integrity a real priority at Supermassive, and I think that that does come through in how we talk about ourselves um, and, and how we how we show up in the world. And secondly, you know, we are embracing, I think, uh, uh, quite a singular creative philosophy that perhaps better inspires modern creatives, you know, I think that our creative philosophy is one that lives and breathes in culture. I think it's a philosophy that means that our processes, as we, as we spoke about, which I really do believe, it, it means that our processes and our mindsets can and should change to accommodate modern creators rather than modern creators coming into a place and going, we love how you did that differently, but come in here and do it the exact same way that we do it, it feels so counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that from our perspective, that's how you implement creative effectively and therefore that's how you generate effective creative so I certainly hope that agencies like us and like other indies can have an influence in, in revitalizing the industry to make it more attractive because I think that we need to you know I think it's the key to unlocking and amplifying the exact type of creativity that audiences will love and, mm-hmm. and will have a disproportionate effect. I'm
1: interested to in know how diverse that group of people are. I guess particularly gender diversity, but also social and cultural diversity as well. Are, are you seeing? I want, I want some hope here for the future. That there's going to be more diverse. <coughs>
3: Absolutely. Look, this certainly is. I think that that um, Sam mentioned before our, our connection to DNA shift, yeah. um, and and I really love that initiative. I spoke with them this year. We're going to go see their showcase tomorrow. Um, so at, a, at an industry level, I think there are starting to become avenues in which people can, uh, a far more diverse
0: mm.
3: breadth of creative talent mm. can make their way into the industry. But, but I certainly think that that if you put forward the um, the attitude that, that creativity will be unlocked by difference of opinion, different thinking, those people will see it like a beacon and they will flock to you uh, because mm. I think that it is quite different, unfortunately, to what a lot of places are. Putting up, which propagates the advertising. Exactly, exactly.
2: Trinity P three. There's a lot of channels with social media like TikTok and and uh, Instagram and YouTube, where young people have the opportunity to become creators without formal training. You know, they they they're learning from their basically peer to peer online. And and I think that a lot of that is very untapped, and we haven't really seen then what that generation grow up to be. I mean, a twenty-year-old who's building a following, for example, on influencer. Will they be a thirty-year-old still an influencer, or will they be entering an industry and taking all of that learning that they that they learn how to engage and how to create and how to sell and. All those things. I think that that's that's going to be interesting over the next ten years, seeing what that generation, where that gen- what that generation does with that.
1: Yeah, it's. I agree. I mean, it's, it's, it's just such a meritocracy now. I mean, yeah. Of course, you know, you don't need the tech, you don't need the expensive equipment yeah. you used to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. We haven't really seen the, that hasn't fully come through yet, has yeah. it? Those people haven't all come of age. I mean, it's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah.
2: Exactly. And, and you can still see, like, in any environment. I mean, it, it might have democratised it, but real talent still rises to the top. Yes. You know, you can see real talent. There's always one percent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can see it. It's there. And, you know, they may end up, you know, on an entrepreneurial route that doesn't end up in, in, sort of in our industry. But I also think that there is a stream coming into our industry. You can sort of just see it in little parts, in little bits, you know, of... Creators then coming in and working in under this the environment. Yeah, see,
1: wouldn't that be great though if those creators did take some of them did take entrepreneurship, some of them did go into yeah. it, because those kind of businesses are the ones that are going to want people exactly. like you doing, yeah. doing their creative. Yeah, right? I, It's a one thing leads to
2: another. It will be a whole ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and it, and it will shift
0: the approach. Um, yeah, I think our job, our job as an industry, is to make our industry, an appealing place for that talent to migrate into. Yeah, that's kind of where the question
1: comes as well. Um,
0: I mean, I think John mentioned it, and it shouldn't be underestimated, which is the value of bringing some joy back into our industry and some fun, and I think, (laughs) especially after the last few years, it wasn't a particularly fun place. Well, the world wasn't a particularly fun place to be in full stop, but it wasn't particularly fun in our industry, and we are unashamedly having a great time at Supermassive they're having a lot of fun and joy. And that doesn't mean that we don't take the work we do really seriously because, sure. of course, we do. But at some point, we've, under, we've devalued just making places great fun to be in, yes. high energy, lots going on. Totally. You know, yeah. good love. And I think we're taking ourselves quite seriously as an industry in, in some regards, and it's making it a less attractive place for young, creative, spirited, diverse people to want I come into. And if I actually think back on my career when I first started working, it was actually a more diverse place, not a less diverse place in many ways yeah. in terms, because it was so attractive to such a broad array of people. And we found, like there's a lot, I think there's a lot of agents in the industry that are very focused on people initiatives, but it doesn't compensate for a place that isn't a great place to work. You can put all the stuff on in the world that you like in terms of benefits and um, people and culture strategy. If people aren't enjoying showing up every day and they don't feel like they can yes. be themselves and that they can have fun and express themselves, it that stuff doesn't really matter.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, so I, I, I don't think any, a small part of it is just making it a more attractive yeah. proposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: and that's a state of I mind. Mean, yeah, absolutely. So For so many years, people, yeah. the, the concept of bolted on fun in offices was just mm. so rampant. Yeah. you know. Let's, let's have a beanbag and the table tennis table and, uh, and a drink for yeah. Friday and that's yeah. fun. And that's culture, and that's which of course culture. it isn't, yeah. Um, it just it just doesn't, sustain a state of mind. Um, yeah. And I think...
0: Uh, and it comes from the leadership, I think, it, genuinely enjoying and
1: Fitz believing in what they're head, doing. Right? Absolutely, it's, yeah. it's,
0: it's, It has to.
2: Totally.
3: Um, I spent hours writing a very serious op-ed um, about our creative philosophy, you know, I've got a little bit of... Traction online, but then we posted a picture of uh, whether Sim or I were eating pancakes right, and it went bloody gangbusters. And that to me it was just like, yeah, you know, people yeah. just people are drawn to fun, people yeah. are drawn to joy. Do
1: yeah. I? Do I? Yeah. Yeah, do I sort of? Um, uh, do I lament the wasted brain power that like, oh, I
2: Well, the merch. You mentioned the merch before we started recording.
1: Well, that was going to be my last question. Yeah. My final question, my surprise question was going to be when are we going to see a Japanese inspired fashion and restaurant?
0: <laughs> because. You
3: have the perfect name for it. We, yeah. we. The merch is a here, right? The merch is um, the merch ideas are one of the
0: fast. Yeah. yeah, we've had yeah, a few yeah. from your camp actually for our summer merch line. Oh, a few God, oh, ideas. Aaron Darren, was wearing these on our, <laughs> our
2: so. yeah,
3: yeah. website. Very, he's very thank right? you, know. all right.
0: Well,
2: it's the, yeah. the we summer so 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 campaign me. is in design at the moment, isn't
0: it? Yeah. Yep. We have had emails from all over the world with people wanting to buy our uh, sweatshirts. So I don't know what that says. Yeah, I have no doubt that
1: this agency is going to work out. But just in case it doesn't, you've got future. Absolutely, so we'll more of our merch. Too. Yeah, hardcore business, gym wear
0: and stuff. <laughs> Yeah.
1: And, you know, it was uh, absolutely lovely talking to all of you. Um, I don't feel too beaten up with all the three brains all on top of me, so that was that was really good, and um, good luck for the future.
0: Thank so you so much. Thank you, much. Thank thank you for having us. Something else. Yeah, thank yeah. you.